Welcome to Euractiv's Digital Brief Podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your digital and media editor. This week, we look at the European Commission's updated new industrial strategy, which has identified two areas of strategic dependency that will be key for Europe's digital future. For a complete overview of the most relevant digital developments over the past seven days, sign up to my free newsletter or visit the website euroactive.com. This is Euroactive's Digital Brief Podcast. On Wednesday, 5th May, the European Commission has published its updated industrial strategy. The first version of the industrial strategy had been published in March last year, before the COVID crisis had fully blown out of control. One of the lessons learned the Commission has drawn from the pandemic is the vulnerability the European industry has in relation to certain global supply chains. In other words, in a period of worldwide disruption, Europe acknowledged it is heavily reliant on certain materials or products to run its economy. In fact, it was the European Council in October last year that requested the Commission to provide an assessment of these strategic dependencies. In its in-depth review, the EU executive has identified six key areas of vulnerability, two of which have a direct impact on the digital economy. The first area is semiconductors. The most commonly used type of semiconductor is the integrated circuit, also known as chip. The chip is essentially a very small block of silicon and other materials that is essential component of most electronic devices. In other words, chips are fundamental for digital technologies, but also for other industries, such as automotive and defense. Therefore, although tiny, the chip has massive technological and therefore political leverage. There is currently a global shortage of chips, which is having heavy repercussions on the world economy. There are multiple causes for this. Weather or main cause incidents in Japan and Texas have disrupted the supply chain and production is not easy to restore. The COVID pandemic has also increased the demand for digital devices, causing the demand to soar. At the same time, at the beginning of the health crisis, car producers cut the orders, expecting the demand to drop. Now that the situation is normalizing, car makers are trying to restore those orders, but in doing so, they are competing with the new demand from the electronics industries. If that was not enough, geopolitical tensions also add further uncertainty to the mix. Cheap production and distribution was at the center of the US and Chinese trade war. The Trump administration enforced a ban for Chinese telecom companies such as Huawei to buy key cheap components. To give you an idea of the economic impact of these sanctions, in 2019, China imported chips for a value of over 300 billion dollars. In 2019, China imported chips for a value of over 300 billion dollars, which is more than they spent on oil. The most advanced chips are produced in Taiwan and South Korea, not exactly China's best friends. Although the US is a major chip producer, it has also been suffering the global shortage to the point that President Joe Biden has defined the chip scarcity a national security issue. But if the chip has become so political, why can't economic powerhouses like Europe and China start their own production? 
Well, it's not that simple. We are talking about very advanced nano-engineering products among the most complex technologies in the world. China's policy so far has been to import technology from abroad and reverse engineer it. While that has worked for other technologies, like high-speed trains, they haven't managed to crack the chip yet. Experts say that investment in chip technology can take decades to bring results. And by the time you get there, your competitors might have moved one or two generations ahead. However, China is making massive investments and is adjusting its supply chains to reduce its dependency on semiconductors. If they use serious about boosting its chip capacity anytime soon, the industrial alliance the commission is proposing will require tens of billions of investments. The second strategic vulnerability we are going to discuss today is on the area of cloud computing technologies. Cloud computing allows to store data and software on a network of remote servers through the internet instead of your local device. This has several advantages, including flexibility in data storage and access to higher computer power. It is also cost-effective, as it allows economies of scale and is demand-driven, as you only pay for the storage that you need. Cloud computing is a key enabling technology, in the sense that it is a precondition for advancing in artificial intelligence, 5G and Internet of Things. A study from the Synergy Research Group illustrates how the cloud market provider is dominated by Amazon with over 30% of the market share, followed by Microsoft's Azure, which is gaining ground uh, now up to 20% of the market. Other smaller but significant market shares are held by Google, Alibaba, IBM and Baidu. As usual, no European companies on the list. In fact, EU-based cloud providers do not even count for 1% of the European cloud market. What's more is that according to Eurostat, in 2020, only 36% of European companies used cloud technologies. And when they do so, it's for very basic services such as file storage. The European Commission also notes that the use falling farther back year by year with an investment gap with the US and China estimated of 11 billion euros. There are several initiatives on this area. With the industrial strategy, the Commission has launched a new alliance for industrial data, edge and cloud. The creation of European data spaces is also at the center of the Data Governance Act, a legislative initiative that is currently being discussed in the European Parliament. Investments will be financed by the Digital Europe Programme, Horizon Europe and other EU funding schemes. In October, EU countries also agreed on a joint declaration to boost investments in cloud computing, together with private providers. And the recovery and resilience facility might be a major channel for fostering investments. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to my free Digital Brief newsletter to receive a comprehensive overview of digital stories in your mailbox. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening. <music>